This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, June 8th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who enjoys a PERMA subscription to his preseason college football magazines, Jerem Jordan. I mean, right now it's hard to find, you know, compelling and rich content, as Ron Burgundy would say. Other than BYU Sports Nation. Right. Uh, what I mean is things that are happening or will happen soon, right? Uh, so we're hoping, you know, it looks like college football is going to be played. More hopeful than we were. The magazines are starting to come out. So it feels like we're closer to the season. And we are. It's June, man. In less than two months, in theory, we're going to have fall camp. Yeah, and uh, the following was discussed in our office late last week, that when you get a preseason college football magazine, given the current world situation, it it feels like a bit of normalcy. Yeah. This magazine comes in and is like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you pay a couple bucks for someone else who did a bunch of work for you, and then you read that. Yeah. And then you gain more information. And then there's four different kind of main publications uh, that are fun to read, so I, I like it. Just don't forget it if and when you go on vacation, because we know a guy like Greg Rebell won't. Uh, no, he's a, he's a thorough reader. We know <laughs> that. He's prepared, man. That guy's ready to go. And Greg is part of our show lineup today. Which BYU football defender is lining up to make the biggest impact for the Cougars in the 2020 season, plus the best to wear number 25? And we remember... A beloved member of the BYU football and BYU broadcasting family, Christopher Clark. You don't want to miss it. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Week two of voluntary workouts continues today for BYU football and men and women's hoops. The next targeted return date for more teams in this tiered approach is June 15th, one week from today, if all goes as expected. So BYU among several schools trying to get guys back in school, um, or not school rather, but to school to voluntarily work out. If people are in classes, it's remotely at this point, but in the facility with each other, health regulations in place to try and get physically in shape. I think there's an emotional morale boost as well of being close to your teammates that you haven't seen in a couple of months as well. BYU football offensive lineman Ethan Atangi has entered the transfer portal. He posted a picture on Instagram of him wearing Weber State University apparel with the caption, I'm coming home, hashtag Purple Rain. Atangi, the Ogden native, played in two games for BYU during the 2019 season against UMass and Idaho State. Hey, Jay Hill and Weber, I'm sure thrilled to have him. West Coast Conference announces it is planning on holding all championship events for the 2020-2021 season as scheduled. Conference cancellation of all in-person formal and organized activities put in place on March 12th expired at the conclusion of the spring season. And quote, that makes me wonder if uh, there's a possibility of fans in the stands. And it feels like we're going that direction. We'll see it with this next sort of bump in more COVID positive cases, right? And right now with the movement, social movement that's going on, there are a lot of people interacting outside. So we'll, we'll see what that means. Hopefully we're just able to handle it and that we did the right thing originally in the social distancing. I, I feel good about where this is headed. The domino effect of the COVID situation is far-reaching, and that includes the postseason tournaments for NCAA sports. The Championships Finance Review Working Group, did you follow that? Submitted a proposal to change the men's volleyball NCAA tournament from seven to four teams. Not a fan. 
Like three seasons ago, it went from four to seven. So yeah. it hasn't been that long. Yeah. The proposal comes from a recommendation that sports with fewer than 50 teams should have their tournament size be 10% of their overall teams. Men's volleyball currently has a 15.9% of teams qualify for the tournament. So all of this not a shocker because of increase in team travel expenses and a lack of revenue from the NCAA tournaments coupled with COVID-19 economic impact on college sports. But still, you just went to seven. I'd hate to see it go back. Yeah, and a team like BYU, you'd have to essentially win the league and be in the top four. The top four teams in the country. And would you, go. That's like saying, hey, well, uh, you got to win the SEC in college football. Well, there are five leagues for four spots. So it's tough. One of the leagues is not considered uh, you know, at the same level as the other, although it is growing quite a bit. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. In Matt Bushman, we trust. Sounds like a nice political slogan, doesn't it? It just might be the slogan for success when it comes to BYU football in 2020. Yes, I vote Matt Bushman, who decided to return for his senior season and delay a potential pro football career. Last week, Steve Clark, the tight ends coach, when asked about expectations for the tight ends and what was to happen with that group, said, hey, we're going to wear out Matt Bushman this season. This is a guy that's led BYU in catches and receiving yards each of the last three seasons. Jeremy, if BYU is to wear out Mr. Bushman this season, what will his stats look like in 2020? He didn't lead BYU in catches this last year, but everything else. Yeah, two last Correction, year. Micah Simon? Micah Simon. Micah Simon yes. was catches. But the point is that he's awesome. Yeah, he's really, really good, right? So he had 47 grabs. That was second. 688, that was first. And then four touchdowns. Four feels a little low, right? Those are really good numbers for tight ends across the country. And at BYU, you look at 688, that's a good number. But at BYU, that's like maybe 11th or something. There's been an amazing run of tight ends. I, I think that a 60 catches, 600 yard, and six touchdown year, 60, 606, it would be something that I think would be a good goal, which brings us to an early stat. Nope. A non-music playing stat of the day for me. <laughs> okay, there are only four seasons in BYU history where a tight end did what I just said: sixty, six hundred, and six. I thought it was so good I was going to get stat there. It wasn't worthy. Uh, Gordon Hudson did it twice. Uh, David Mills in '84 did it, and your boy Dennis Pitta did it in '09. A sixty catches, six hundred yard, and six touchdown performance. There's nothing so, wrong with calling an audible for non-music that because that's a solid stat. Yeah, next time. I'll try and be good enough to get it next time. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's reasonable. He's only 13 catches and two touchdowns off of that. I think that's reasonable. So you have to increase the targets a little bit with Matt Bushman. Uh, two years ago, it felt a little weird that Matt Bushman wasn't targeted as much. I thought he was targeted pretty appropriately this last year. A stat came out that said he was one of, what, a handful of guys that didn't drop a ball all year in FPS? I mean, he is BYU's best offensive um, skill position, if you will. I would call left tackle a skill position, though. Brady Christensen's pretty good. So just a guy that's going to catch the ball or run, right? Now Bushman's good. 60, 606. He catches everything. So I hope that he leads BYU in catches and receiving yards. If BYU had uh, a more explosive wide receiver group, and, and that's not saying that they don't have capability to do that, but right now Matt Bushman is clearly the best weapon that BYU's passing attack has. And he, he will be. I'll be shocked if a guy like Gunnar Romney or Dax Milne or Neil Powell or anybody else is better. And they could be very good. I expect Matt Bushman to lead the team in catches and receiving yards. I would love 
to see Matt up around 60 catches, if not more. But I think that he has the capability to really spread the defense out and do what Chris Smith and Dennis Petta and those guys have done before. I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Bushman have over 750, maybe 800 yards receiving this season. In fact, I hope he does because if they're going to wear him out, he probably needs to have those numbers. So that's where my expectations lie. Depends how you cater your offense, too. The tight ends under the old BYU offenses in the 80s and 90s were featured more prominently. Uh, nowadays, a tight end is not the same as he was uh, you know, back in the day. But more teams are using tight ends as guys that flex out. Johnny Harleen is yes. not known for, and even Dennis Pitta, right? Andrew George, their ability to sit in there and block as much, although they could have done that well and maybe we didn't notice. It's that when they flexed out, they created a, a mismatch. Because who are you going to put on Matt Bushman? Tell me the player uh, and what he does that you're going to put. Are you going to put a linebacker on him? He's going to be taller, and his catch radius is going to be above that guy's reach. Are you going to put a strong safety? Matt will just be a little too physical, a little too strong. Matt Bushman is a matchup nightmare for He's defense. always open. And he's always open. Unless he's not. Don't force it in there. Let's go. Topic two. Let's switch to the other side of the ball. Which defensive player will have the greatest impact on the success of BYU football this season? It is Zane Anderson. The Zane train returns and more to his natural skill set and playing position. BYU football coaches, to their credit, are always looking at the ways they can utilize their best players in situations they need them the most. Clearly last year they needed Zane to play linebacker, or so they thought, because BYU is really young. Dan Gawalaku and Austin Lee. Didn't they had him. those safeties, okay? And BYU was playing some young guys, Peyton Wilgar, you know, among others at linebacker. Keenan Peely. Yeah, Keenan yeah. Peely. So they needed Zane's leadership. Well, he gets injured, and then those guys are forced to grow up, and they produce some really nice things on the field. But Zane, back in his natural position as a safety, is going to be the guy that has the greatest impact for BYU. I think he has the capability of making plays in several different positions. If they want to flex him up and use him as a linebacker in some run-stop coverages, if they want to put him back in diamond nickel coverage, obviously he can do that. He's For crying out loud... He is dipping his foot in the pool with the defensive backs at the cornerback position. Zane will be all over the place. Might as well just play him on the D-line just to <laughs> check all the boxes, right? How many guys does BYU have that they feel like they could run on a corner blitz and pay it off or blitz him from a linebacker position or the safety position? Is he the Taysom Hill of BYU's defense? He might be. He might Versatile be. That he way. is an athletic freak. The guy runs a 4-4. It's one of the fastest guys on the team. He says, and he's told us recently, he feels healthier than ever, better than ever, and he likes playing at this weight and this position better than any other thing. And he feels like he will be predominantly at the safety position. So I like the Zane train to come in and be the most impactful defensive player for BYU football because of his versatility. Well, yeah, and his name is, uh, you know, we can use it in puns, so that's good too. Uh, I like that pick. Uh, another guy I think could have the biggest impact, Isaiah Kafusi. Hmm. So he's going to be a senior. Uh, Zane will be a second-year senior, by the way. I, I did that at BYU, too. Uh, I, I redshirted my, my uh, first senior year. Acad- academic. Academically, yeah, <laughs> redshirted uh, as a walk-on. Third-leading tackler last year, second-leading returner in tackles, 60 tackles, four-and-a-half tackles for loss, two interceptions, five pass breakups, two fumble recoveries, versatility. Versatility, mm. the pick against USC, which brings us to an actual stat of the day. Oh, it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Hear ye, hear ye. Isaiah Kafusi is the only player on the team last year with at least 40 tackles, four TFLs, four pass breakups, two picks, and two fumble recoveries. He's all over the place. And in fact, he said midway through the year on the uh, coach's show with Klein Sitake, 
that he didn't feel like he had a good year the year before. Mm-hmm. He felt like there was something missing. And and I think um, that he can have an even better year. I expect 70 tackles and a little bit more havoc. He's around the ball a lot. He's a guy that, uh, you know, is uh, married and has a kid. Like, he just has his priorities straight. And he's a leader. He's mature. Everyone says he's the guy that you would want your daughter to date kind of kind of guy. So I expect Isaiah Kavus- Kafusi to be a real leader as well on the defense and make an impact. He's not the middle linebacker per se, but he's a guy on the edges that reminds me of a Brian Keel and David Nixon from a decade ago. I like what the BYU defense brings back overall in terms of maturity. And I know that 2017 is a season that we don't look back at fondly. Dare bring okay? But Zane had 61 total tackles. Two interceptions. He was one of the few bright spots, along with Fred Warner on that defense. Freshman Matt Bushman was as well. And he was playing the safety position. In 16, he played in all 13 games, safety. In 17, he played in 12 of the 13 games. Last year, they moved him to linebacker. Four games, he just was not right physically. That that is the key for Zane, is to be in a position where he's not going to potentially be injured. If he's playing linebacker. Fewer tackle opportunities as a safety. I want him to fly around, obviously, and lay the lumber. But I, I like really. His, I like his speed, like Austin Lee. You know, making plays, pass breakups, just the ability to cover guys, yes. come up with some interceptions. Yes, I, I want that versatility in the secondary. Yes, play him at free safety, not strong then, because then sure. he's more of the roamer sure. as opposed yeah. to the come up and make a play. Although you want him to guard the opposing tight end or the opposing good uh, receiver. Well, and he's a perfect gunner as well. On special teams. I would take him off that, frankly. Mm. If you're trying to keep him healthy, don't play him on special teams. I, w- I would be careful there. Okay. Given uh, what's happened the last couple See what years. the coaches do there. Yeah. No, that's valid. Well, they're going to ask me, so yeah. It's a valid point. <laughs> I'm just glad that we got the music with the actual stat of the day in there. Yeah, that was you good. Know, that was important. That was important. Uh, another thing that's important, that because this conversation brings up, uh, is a reminder of just how many days away we are from actual BYU football. Countdown to the Utes. 87. 87 days to be exact. Yeah, that's and a weird one. Because we're like, 87 days. Do we do like the syncopation? We're thinking in like, you know, we're somewhat musical, okay? Not that much, but a little bit. Now, little Jason bit. and I did some syncopation on Friday with 90 days away. 90 days away. That's what I'm talking about. 87 days. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah, but yeah. I, we settled for the 87. I say push it. I say play 12 okay. power fives a year. That's what I say. <laughs> Okay. Let's go. Uh, against 12 power fives, what kind of stats? Well, BYU went over under Bush four games. BYU does have six power fives on the schedule this season. Yeah. What kind of uh, stats do you expect from Matt Bushman, who is an All-American candidate? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Pin Answers, remember Hulk Hogan of the WWF? Uh, yes. Kind of like the tight end version of him. Okay, brother. So how does that translate over statistically? So he's wearing a bandana and balding? <laughs> what? Uh, at Big Trust for stats, almost as high as Dalton Nixon's. Oh! <laughs> now there's the Dalton the, Nixon the, factor. I, I, listen, if Dalton Nixon's on the team, that's going to be awesome. Let alone contribute. Like, it, I just think it's hard. He hasn't played tight end in like five, six years. Truth. Like, if he's on the team, I'm like, oh, that's a cool story. Yes, especially let alone playing at all. Disappointing finish to his season with basketball being injured. Like, right, come right. back. You have eligibility. Be part of BYU athletics. There, there's your, uh, there's your special teams guy. Let's go. Okay. At least get him there. Dalton Nixon, the, the gunner. At least. Okay. Let's go. 
Hashtag BYU. You're right. I don't know about Gunner. Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) Coming up, the best to wear it, numero 25. And the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Who does he have as his most impactful defensive player potentially in 2020? Make sure you're doing that reading, Greg. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest voiceover with Greg and Shep, the guys visit with BYU alum and longtime network sportscaster Todd Harris about his 30-year career covering some of the biggest sporting events from around the world. Watch this in every episode of VoiceOver with Greg and Shep on the BYU TV Sports social media platform. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. It is now our pleasure to bring in the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, for his monthly checkup on BYUSN. Greg, nice to have you back on the program. How are you? Good to be with you again. Doing well. Glad to hear that. We've been discussing expectations for one Matt Bushman today and the BYU tight end group. This based off of what Steve Clark said last week to the Deseret News, that he's going to wear Matt Bushman out and he's going to wear that tight ends group out. So what do you expect from Matt Bushman specifically, knowing that Steve Clark is going to push hard for him to get the ball more? I expect Matt Bushman to do what only one other BYU Cougar has ever done, and that is lead the team in receiving yards in four consecutive seasons. All right. The only guy to do it is Cody Hoffman. Of course, he's a wide receiver. Maybe a little tougher to do at the tight end spot, but I think Matt can do it. Matt's already led BYU in receiving yards as a freshman, as a sophomore, and as a junior. If they're going to wear him out, they'll probably do it as a senior. So that'd be four straight for Matt Bushman. And uh, let's also note of his previous three years, he also led the team in catches in two of those three years, freshman and sophomore. Micah Simon uh, picked him for the uh, receptions lead last year. Yeah, and it was just barely, right? It was it was neck and neck. Uh, yeah, it was by four yeah. catches, so crazy. I, I said that I, I want to see um, a 60-606 touchdown year. Uh, we've only seen four uh, seasons of this. Gordon Hudson did it twice. David Mills did it once. Dennis Pitted did it once. I don't think that's crazy to think 60 catches, 600 yards, and six touchdowns. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. He's been around 50 uh, two times, and, and he's been over 600 once uh, in the 500s a couple times. So, yeah, that's, that's right, right in the ballpark. And touchdowns are, are a little subjective because it's just kind of random. You catch that ball in that part of the field, right? But I expect him to be targeted much more, and then we'll see the increase there. Do you feel like BYU can target him more, or is he a guy that's uh, going to get doubled and open up the offense perhaps? Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he's a target monster already. I mean, BYU looks to him more than anyone else to begin with. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot of more of the same uh, with Matt Bushman. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe to a greater degree. It's, it's his last year. Uh, it, it could be his best year that way. But he's already been a guy, you know, garnering a ton of attention. Um, and, and, again, I, I just expect it to, to continue. A touchdown every other game, that's reasonable, right? I mean, you, you play 12, 13 games, six touchdowns. Once every two games, you're in the end zone uh, with a couple of big games here and there. Uh, I think those numbers you mentioned are, are really feasible. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU bringing back the experience of Matt Bushman on the offensive side. Kairos Tonga also announced that he's going to come back and not pursue a professional football career. But is Kairos or somebody else the defensive player that you think will have the biggest impact on the 2020 BYU football season? Well, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see how Zane Anderson, uh, you know, pro, uh, 
you know, succeeds back at safety. I, I, I think it could be a good move for him and for the team. Um, and that's maybe my, my biggest curiosity might be there. And if, and if Zane has a great year there, that could be big for BYU. Uh, health seems to be the biggest concern with Zane just getting through a year, right? And and uh, maybe moving him back to where you know, he's going to be playing this year might, might help the body a little bit. Uh, that said, um, you know, he's he's a heat seeker and, and he's going to throw his body around and that's what you love about him. So that could be an impactful move on defense. But I, I, I hate to be cliche on this one, but I, I think Kairos Tonga uh, kind of makes it go. Uh, his numbers may not jump off the page. Um, nose tackles and inside guys rarely get the big numbers. If you look at the next level, uh, you know, Aaron Donald is maybe an example of someone who can actually do that as an inside player. But those kinds of players are are rare where they can put up maybe end numbers from an inside position. And, and again, Ty- Kyrus's numbers may not be uh, overwhelming that way, but I think the impact he can have inside will allow BYU to do things it would like to do uh, outside. And the hope is that he can be a three-down guy. BYU's been pulling him off the field quite a bit, whether that's a schematic thing or, or maybe just a conditioning thing. I'm not quite sure. But uh, I want to talk about Zane again. His versatility is unbelievable. Uh, he could play. They dabbled in corner uh, at cornerback with him in spring. Obviously, safety is kind of where he was. He played linebacker. Um, I I love him on the field the whole time. No matter whether BYU's in nickel and maybe he's the nickel, or they need to put him down at linebacker to guard a tight end or something, or put him in the box. He can do almost anything for this defense. And I think BYU's DB play as a group is going to have to be huge this year for what BYU wants to get done. That. There are going to have to be some stars out of that collection of players this year. And, and Zane Anderson is as good a candidate as any. I'm such a fan of his. And, again, just only wish and cross fingers hard that he can play a 12-13 game season, uh, that his body will let him do it. He's that good. Greg Rubel on BYU Sports Nation. We have begun a conversation where we are discussing the biggest game each month for BYU. And so we've broken these into groups of four. Greg, I want you to give me the biggest game out of each of these groups of four, starting with September. At Utah, Michigan State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Ah, ah. Okay, <laughs> all right. First okay. All right. Okay, first of course. one. Okay. Of course. Next group, October, Utah State in Provo, Missouri in Provo, Houston in Provo, nice little home stretch there, and then BYU playing at Seat Geek Stadium in Bridgeview, Illinois, against the Northern Illinois Huskies. You know, I, 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 I do believe uh, in the value of rivalry games and rivalry, rivalry, rivalry wins. So Utah State jumps off the page, but, hey, it, it, it's an SEC game, and, and, and you only get so many chances against the big names. Even though Missouri's not, uh, you know, maybe a top-tier SEC program, I, th- I think Mizzou's the big one in October. It's P5, it's SEC, it's in your building. Um, and so as much as I, you know, want BYU to get back-to-back wins over the Aggies and get that thing back to where it's supposed to be, I'll go with Mizzou in October. Okay, Greg, then the final four, and there are some meaningful games in November. At Boise State, BYU's never won their 0-5 all-time on the Blues. San Diego State, a revenge game back in Provo. North Alabama, and then at Live Stanford on BYU to TV. close out the season. Where do you have in November? Well, I just went P5 in October, so I should probably stick with Stanford, right, in November. But no, I'm going back to Boise uh, because BYU's never won up there. It's got to happen, right? The BYU's been so competitive up there. So many heartbreakers on the blue turf. Um, they've left that, that game blue year after year, and this has to be, you know, it has to be the year. It'd be great if it were the year. And so I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Boise State uh, having to finally get a win up there. 
Everyone gets motivated by different things, Greg. I'm interested to see Zach Wilson in starts against teams he's already lost to uh, that perhaps he remembers and wants to avenge in some way, right? So Utah, obviously, BYU's up 20 to nothing when Zach's starting as a freshman there. Um, and then you look at, uh, you know, Northern Illinois is a game that got away from BYU. Didn't score enough, 7-6 in 2018. Boise State, a five-point loss. Zach takes a sack. Uh, perhaps could have thrown it away, right? And then San Diego State, of course, he's playing with uh, you know, the football that he couldn't grip, but BYU had injuries. So those are four games that kind of stick out in terms of Zach Wilson has an opportunity to, uh, with the team, of course, but go win a game that BYU lost in the last two seasons. Well, if, if Zach is the starter, as we presume he, he, he will be, um, uh, you, you just hope that, that all those games matter throughout the season and, and then he's the guy, if he's the guy, because as we've you know, discussed and it's pretty clear, um, you know, having one guy be the guy, for the whole season has been a rare thing for BYU over the last many years. And so, you know, while we bring up Zach, you know, maybe he won't be the only guy needed this year. Um, again, I think it's great if it is. I think it's great if you're, if you're, if your number one guy, ostensibly your best guy is your only guy for 12 or 13 games, it means things are going well. And BYU hasn't had one of those years in, uh, in, in quite a while. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Before you go, Greg, let's talk a little BYU basketball. Mark Pope and his staff have been very, very busy in the transfer, uh, transfer portal this offseason. They obviously landed Matt Harms. That was a huge get for BYU. But they're still in need of a ball handler, a potential combo guard. So uh, is Jesse Wade potentially that guy? And if not, then what does BYU do? Yeah, you know, Jesse's uh, whole situation hinges on, you know, the ability to get that knee and that leg right again and then have it last for a season. The way it looks right now, you know, BYU's looking at either, I think, one or two uh, open scholarships. A lot of that's depending on, a you know, the status of, of a previous scholarship player in Jesse Wade. So, uh, you know, one or two spots to fill, but the group he's got um, already with, with, say, 11 committed scholarships, not including Jesse, 12 including Jesse, it's a pretty well-rounded group. And, again, you may not – Maybe we don't know who that guy is yet uh, because AB is going to handle, you know, the bulk of the point guard minutes. But, um, you know, maybe somebody else already on that roster would be a guy able to jump up and, and play some minutes there, if not Jesse. And, again, the hope is, the crossing of the fingers is that Jesse Wade gets back. But, we have, you know, it's been so long. Think about it. It's probably his, his high school year of uh, – or his senior year of high school, right, when he last played – you know, like, like, like a 30, 35 minute meaningful basketball game, right? It's been a long, long time for that guy. And so it would be great. He'd be a great story because, uh, you know, his career is, has, um, has taken, you know, he has hit, hit the pause button for quite a while now uh, due to, to the mission and transfer and now health. And so just having him back would be a great story. And then, of course, tactically, it could really help BYU with that guard spot. And he's super old, so that's a huge advantage for BYU <laughs> Athletics, right? Um, yeah, It always is. It always is. <laughs> Every year, BYU's winning championships in football and basketball, yeah. right? Um, let's finish with this. Friday, we're going to do another reviewable show on the 80-81 men's basketball team. Of course, this is Danny Ainge and Fred Roberts and Greg Kite and the Elite Eight. What do you recall about that team and or the legacy of perhaps being the greatest team in BYU history in hoops? Well, you know, I wasn't a BYU guy at that time. I, I, I was a high school student up in Canada and, and, and wasn't really into BYU sports yet. That, that, that would take a few years. With this my is breaking year news to our 19, audience. Yeah, being <laughs> 1984 for me. But, of course, you know, you, you educate yourself. And, and, and the, you know, the, the immediate legacy is the no-brainer, right? It's Elite Eight. I mean, a team that takes you to, to the Elite Eight is, is something very special. That, that legacy lasts forever. The fact you can put 
you know, multiple guys on NBA rosters out of that team as well. Uh, you know, it's great when BYU gets, you know, you know, a player drafted or a player to the league. And that was a team putting multiple guys in the NBA, including, of course, the guy who would go on to score uh, more professional points than any other BYU player ever in Danny Ames. And so, the, you know, the legacy kind of speaks for itself. But then also you have a team that produces a highlight that still gets played back in non-BYU circles every year with Danny Ainge against Notre Dame. And that's a great thing to have, too. Greg, we're 87 days away from BYU football, potentially, and hopefully taking on Utah to kick off the season. Uh, what's on your agenda as far as preparation goes 87 days out? Hey, well, we just got our team of interns uh, uh, solidified, and that's, uh, that's a big thing to do in the offseason, to make sure we have enough bodies to go around to cover BYU sports the way we want to in the fall and winter. That's a big thing. Uh, there will be, be a little bit of vacation time coming up here, and during that time it will be a lot of rule book reading and college football preview <laughs> magazine reading and all that stuff. So my vacations are vacations, but I'm always sneaking the work in somehow just to make sure that I'm ready uh, you know, come, come that first day of the season. You got to love it, Greg. You're reading the rule books on vacation. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. I am a lot of fun. I know you're a fun guy. <laughs> Greg, it's great to talk to you, man. Thanks for the time. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, all right. Go Cougs. Greg Rebell on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. There's a reason Greg is really good at what he does. It's because he, he dives into rule books on vacation. Listen, I read. I try and read the rule books too, but I'm not at that level. <laughs> like one day I want to be at that level, you know, but maybe not on vacation level, but I don't, I don't know. Love, it. Love that, it. That is next level. Okay, coming up after the break, the best to wear number 25. And later, we remember a member of the BYU Broadcasting and BYU football family, Christopher Clark, the brother of tight ends coach Steve Clark. After Christopher's gone, I'll remember that that day the rest of my life. That's bigger than, than the game. That's bigger than football. The BYUSN Reviewables are back. Tune in this Friday, June 12th, as we deep dive into the 1980-81 BYU Hoops run to the Elite Eight with your boy, Danny Ainge. That's this Friday on BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem. I am Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Week two of voluntary workouts continues today for BYU football and men and women's hoops. The next targeted return date for more teams in this tiered approach is June 15th, one week from today, if all goes as expected. BYU offensive lineman Ethan Atangi has entered the transfer portal. He posted a picture on Instagram of him wearing Weber State University apparel with the caption, I'm coming home, hashtag purple rain. Atangi, the Ogden native, played in two games during the 2019 BYU football season at UMass and then at, or in Provo, I should say, against Idaho State. Sports. West Coast Conference announces it is planning on holding all championship events for the 2020-2021 season as scheduled. Quote, the conference's cancellation of all in-person formal and organized activities put in place on March 12th expired at the conclusion of the spring season. Volleyball. The Championships Finance Review Working Group submitted a proposal to change the men's volleyball NCAA tournament from seven back to four teams. Remember, in the recent past, it went from four up to seven. This proposal comes from a recommendation that sports with fewer than 50 teams should have their tournament size be 10% of their total teams. Men's volleyball currently has essentially a 16% uh, number of teams qualifying for the postseason. Not a shocker, this has been proposed due to an increase in team travel expenses and a lack of revenue from the NCAA tournaments. Tennis. Men's players David Ball and Mateos Fajeda-Lechi 
were named to the all WCC academic team. Ball earned a 3.8 GPA as a philosophy major. Uh, as a guy that took a philosophy class at BYU, I'm quite impressed by that GPA. And uh, I won't tell you my uh, lack of grade in that class. And Fajeda Lechi received a 3.58 in civil engineering. How? Woo! Also, women's player Polina Malik was named to the team as well. Honorable mentions include Katie Cusick Truman, uh, Leah Hamuli, and Madeline Almeida Wanless. Men's basketball. Skull Sparks. I always think of Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker in the skulls whenever I read a Skull Sparks situation. They tweeted a graphic with the NCAA Division I men's basketball teams located in each state that have the largest social media followings. Not surprisingly, BYU ranked number one in the state of Utah. This includes all followers for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook combined. The Cougars have a combined 158,000-plus followers across all three platforms. Now we bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99, one number each show, and determining who was the best athlete to wear each digit at BYU. Today, we land on number 25. Doug Howard, he was a dual-sport athlete at BYU, nicknamed Mr. Steady. He played basketball and baseball. He was inducted into the BYU Hall of Fame in 1982. Let's talk hoops first. So back-to-back second-team all-whack, averaged about 15 a game. Uh, and then he was first team All American in baseball in 1970. Whoa, whoa. Hitting 427, had 70 hits, uh, 52 ribbies in 46 games. He was a draft pick in both the NBA and Major League Baseball. A double draft pick. So 11th round of the Bulls and 8th round of the California Angels. So he ends up playing seven years of pro ball, played for the Angels, Cardinals, and Indians. And uh, Mr. Steady, Doug Howard, is the best to wear at number 25. Doug Howard. When you hit 427 and you're a first-team All-American, you're probably going to play in the major leagues. And I love this segment because we were able to highlight some of these great athletes from before some of our audience was even alive. In this case, uh, you and I as well. So there's greatness beyond what's right in front of you. And uh, we're able to explore that. So shout-out to Doug Howard for his uh, greatness at BYU. Obviously, many of these names will be household and will be part of the recency bias. But, yeah, Doug Howard was was one that – it was, Good, man. It was fun to look into. Double draft double pick. Double draft pick. That's incredible. So I'm trying to think how many, just off the top of my head, how many would have happened at BYU like that. Obviously, uh, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge uh, is drafted by the Celtics and before that by the Blue Jays. But out of high school. It's just uncommon. I mean, I'm even double sport, draft in pick. sports in general, Deion Sanders, Charlie Ward. Russell Wilson, drafted by the Rangers. Uh, of course, playing football with the Seahawks property of the Yankees, I think, uh, at the moment in baseball, right? Um, his rights, that is. Excuse me. Um, yeah, crazy. It just doesn't happen often. But yeah, I really like this segment. 25, Doug Howard, Mr. Steady. Yeah, there you go. Okay, coming up, a possible recruiting target for Mark Pope from the football team. And we honor a beloved member of the BYU Broadcasting family and a guy who has ties to BYU football. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. To get to know the players, the coaches, and some compelling fan stories, search Deep Blue on the BYU TV app today. All 23 Deep Blue features from last season are available on demand today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. This past weekend, we at BYU Broadcasting and those within BYU football lost a beloved family member. Christopher Clark, the husband of Lisa Valentine Clark, host of The Lisa Show on BYU Radio, passed away after a long, courageous battle with ALS. 
Chris is also the brother of BYU football tight ends coach Steve Clark. He was an accomplished actor and director, having trained with the Royal Shakespeare Company and was the chair of the Utah Valley University's Theatrical Arts for Stage and Screen Department. In November, Christopher was the subject of a Deep Blue segment, and we felt it fitting to share his amazing story with you today in honor of the Clark family, the life Christopher lived, and the impact he had on so many lives. Our love goes out to his wife and our colleague Lisa, his brother Steve, and all those who mourn his passing. Christopher Clark was 48 years old. What drives and motivates Christopher Clark? I am motivated purely by money. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I did not uh, see that All of his brothers are like hunters and super into sports, and he was not really into sports ball and would rather read Shakespeare and go be in plays and things like that. He was talented. He was the talented brother. He has trained all over. He's got a lot of experience. And it's amazing, and it's showed in his career. And he's just really passionate about acting and directing, and he's directed some of the best theater in the state of Utah. I've kind of come around to that part of him, the more artsy part of him that I thought I never would. And then he's got into the NFL for some reason, um, and Major League Baseball. Steve has always been a hero to me because he's my big brother. But we've always had different interests and talents. Our lives didn't intersect very often. But adversity is a great connector. I've had to slow down, and it's made me recognize how many incredible people are in my life. We take each other for granted. Steve isn't just my brother, he's my friend. It started with like a sort of a drag in the foot, like, hey, there's this weird thing, and I'm like, yeah, you're fine. And um, then after it didn't go away, we did some, you know, MRIs. And when it was clean, we got a little worried, but then we did another uh, MRI a little bit higher up in his neck. And when that was clean, then everybody got a little bit concerned. I, of course, did what everybody should not do, which is to go online and Google the symptoms. And I was like, well, for sure it's not that. That's horrible. ALS is a motor neuron disease that affects the muscles. My brain is sending signals to my muscles, but they aren't getting through. I first lost my legs, then my hands, and then my voice. My brain still functions normally, and I still have full physical sensation. My muscles just don't want to work. I'm sure he's had down, dark days, but I've never seen him. He's uh, very open about it. He has a lot of toughness to be able to go through what he's going through and know that it's, it's only going to get worse before it gets to the end. Every new phase, there's a little bit of grief and mourning, for sure, of like, oh man, I can't believe he can't stand anymore. He can't play the piano. He's this gorgeous concert pianist. I mean, ugh, he can't talk, he can't say these things, but he can still communicate, you know? It, you just, it's always trying to desperately look for what he can still do. And that's a game that we both do for each other. My disease is constantly changing the way I live. But each time it throws a new curveball, I try to strategically figure out a way to deal with it. Adversity can be so overwhelming, but you can chip away at it day by day. He has this 15-minute rule. You can spend 15 minutes a day feeling sorry for yourself, feeling overwhelmed, feeling that grief heavy, but then that's enough. Move on with your, the rest of your day. Live, 
So the challenge for me is try to live a full, normal life as a husband and a dad, and take everything as it comes. He's still doing it. He's still doing everything he can do in some adaptable way. Christopher and his family came to the, the indoor practice facility, and the moment he got in, he, his eyes just lit up. My true blue hero experience was a bit of surprise. I thought I was there to watch practice. Suddenly the team was gathered around me and Matt Bushman was giving out presents. You can't tell from my face, but I was a little in shock. It was awesome. The team goes to one side of the field and we set up our, our true blue hero on the 50-yard line and they break out and they start chanting his name. And I see his eyes just looking and just being lit up with, you know, he's, he, he was really happy and knowing that the team was coming to honor him. I have a family and then I have a second family and the second family's the team. And so I had, a, I had two uh, people that I care about. I felt so much love from the team. Many of them thanked me and were a little emotional. And I could tell it wasn't just because they felt bad about my situation. They seemed to see me as a person who is bigger than a disease. That meant a lot to me. Someone suggested that Chris um, run a play with the team, which uh, he never, he's never carried a football in his life. Jaron Hall took the snap, gave it to Baylor. Baylor gave it to, to Christopher. Matt pushed right up the A-gap, and everybody just followed. You know, the whole team came in from the right, from the left, from, the, from behind, and we just ran all the way to the end zone, and it was uh, something that I'll remember forever. I'm a fan of Matt Bushman first and foremost because he's a tight end, and my brother is the tight end coach. But he's also a fantastic player who delivers every game, and a great human. You can tell the team looks up to him. I do too. I wouldn't want anyone else to do it. Matt's a great player. After Christopher's gone, I'll remember that. That day of the rest of my life. That's bigger than, than the game. That's bigger than football. Matt Bushman doesn't need to catch another pass, score another touchdown to, to be a hero in, in the Clark family. When you learn stories and experiences that some of these people have to go through, it definitely humbles us, and we realize that we're fortunate to be able to be playing at the stage that, that we're at, just being able to represent BYU. It puts it into perspective, and a lot of us feel a lot more grateful after we meet with the True Blue Heroes. I think when people see Christopher going through all these struggles and still maintaining a lot of happiness, they want to put like a big bow on it, right? And say, well, see, anyone can get through anything. Just have a good attitude. And I wish that there were a way for me to convey on a deeper level, like the kind of person that Christopher is in the short amount of time that we have together. Before this disease, he was living life to the fullest and using his talents and his gifts and creating art and putting it out there, trying to be the best person that he can. Christopher does not want to be defined by ALS. He wants to be a father, the husband, the theater director. He wants to be defined by so much more. And so when you can have a moment where you can just stop and, and appreciate that in another person, whether they have a disease or not, I think that there's great value in that, of just really seeing somebody for who they really are. Everyone needs that. Everyone is drawn to that kind of connection. Oh, son of a gun. Did you just ruin my tank?
segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Let's play Yes or No, presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jerem, yes or no? BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope should seriously look into recruiting BYU football's Jalen Vickers. This based on the athleticism that Jalen displayed in a box jump. Okay, look at this. How high is that? I think he's jumping up six feet. And land. that is incredibly athletic. I want to mention that Jalen Vickers, I believe, was in the New York City mission a couple months ago. Is he on the Fui Vakapuna Regiment? That is unreal. Um, he, I believe, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. That Jalen is a walk-on on the football team, so he should at least try out for the best. <laughs> Jalen and Jalen's a guy that uh, was young pre-mission. Perhaps we'll be calling his name in the future more often. Football. BYU is looking for a combo guard. So <laughs> Jalen, can you does Jalen Jalen can you handle the ball? Can you score? <laughs> yes or no? Have you ever read a rule book on vacation? <laughs> like Greg Rubel, we heard earlier. Not on vacation. I've read plenty of rule books, but not on vacation. I was trying to. It's like eh, did I learn that? Maybe with gymnastics when I was first starting to learn that sport to do play-by-play. But not on a vacation, no. 100% I've done it. Here's why. I read the most on vacation. You've read a rule book? Yeah. Getting ready for to call rugby or men's volleyball vacation? or whatever. Vacation? Like Christmas vacation, yeah. Yeah, getting ready for the turn. You and Greg are two peas in a pod, man. Brothers of the same ilk. Yeah, I, listen, he likes it more than I do, but I do like it. <laughs> I, I like knowing, yeah, the nuances of the game. I'm all about college football preseason magazines, stuff like that on vacation. Not a rule book, though. Yeah. No, I'm about that. Okay. Number three, yes or no? Matt Bushman will lead the BYU football Cougars in touchdown catches this season. I'd like to say yes, but it, it's such an arbitrary stat because if you caught the ball, you know, earlier up the field, but you're not in the end zone, it's not worth the same statistical value of a touchdown catch, right? Like, oh, I caught it in this area of the field. So I, I'm not sure. Is it going to be a Gunnar Romney or a Dax Milne or a Neil Powell or a Keanu Hill or something? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Isaac Rex is amazing in the red zone. You know, one of those uh, retro freshman tight ends. I, I don't know. I it's, I think it's easy to say yes. He's the most he's the best pass catch BYU has. I'm going to say no. And here's why. I think they'll use Matt Bushman as a decoy primarily in the red zone to open up several other wonderful things. Matt Bushman's going to lead the team in catches, receiving yards, but I think they're going to use him as a decoy in the red zone. I just want BYU to get in the red zone because the homies at Athlon talked about the red zone inefficiency of BYU. The the Cougars came with 73% uh, points in the red zone last year, 120th, so 11th worst. Did Matt Bushman have a touchdown catch in the red zone last season? In the red zone specifically. Good question because Liberty scores a touchdown on a trick play. Boise Mike State, long play. Boise State. Boise State, another long play. There's three of the four. What was the other one? I'm trying to remember. I'll look it up. Pretty crazy. Okay, while you're and looking then at it. And then Washington, that was in the red zone. That was in the middle. So Is one, that the only one? Get one red zone touchdown catch last season. Wow, only one. So maybe okay. they don't need to worry about using him as a decoy. Target Matt Bushman in the red zone. Targeting. <laughs> offensively to Matt Bushman. How about that? Our question of the day. What kind of stats do you expect from Matt Bushman this season for BYU football? 
Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at N underscore Crowley 19 on Instagram answers four words. Break Dustin Pitta's records. Dustin wasn't even that good. Dennis was much better. Uh, today's Rise and Shoutout, it's a combined effort. BYU superfan Ryan Pell lives in Yakima, Washington. He has cerebral palsy. He is a big BYUSN fan. He's been at home the whole time during the COVID situation. Uh, he, uh, he sent us a photo of his wheelchair. He calls it the Shaley Mobile yeah. in honor of Shaley Gonzalez. I love that. Andy's got a uh, Baltimore Orioles shirt on. We love Ryan and uh, his fandom of BYU. You like him uh, extra because he's an Orioles fan as well? Absolutely. And the nickname, the Shaley Mobile, is awesome. That's great. Ryan, thanks for being a BYUSN fan all the way in Yakima, Washington. Thanks for sending in that picture. And, yes, we are Orioles fans together and obviously BYU fans. Uh, I have some questions being a Washingtonian why you're not a Mariner with me, but we can discuss later, Ryan. It's all good. Because he loves Cal Ripken, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, that was, was, yeah. He grew up as a Cal Ripken fan like me. Yeah. Cal was the man, dude. Let's make some other assumptions. 2131, you know? Yeah. In all seriousness, Ryan, thanks for that. That's uh, much appreciated. So BYU football players are in the facilities working out today. That's just a nice feeling, thinking about getting ready for the season, 87 days away. BYU's playing Utah. We're, I, it feels like we're going to figure it out, and we're going to play. And That's hopefully nice. the other sports uh, are going to be back in their facilities, respectively, in the next few weeks. A- as well. Absolutely. Let's see uh, if they can come back and everything's on schedule. Just let me call a women's soccer match in August. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. go. Women's volleyball. Let's, Let's do it. Back. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Our thanks to today's guest, Greg Rubel. Study those rule books. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. Ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Eddie Sampson. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs and go O's. Got some magazines to read.